<laughs> Hello, uh, Tifa Football Podcast. I'm Joe. Uh, welcome to Seb Stafford Bloor, who members will probably recognise from previous podcasts, which he has hosted himself. Hello. I have. I, I find it disconcerting hosting podcasts. It's like I need. Uh, your reassuring arm. Mm. Well, I like it because uh, it means I get to be on a podcast without having to actually know anything about football, yeah. uh, which is uh, very good today because it's about Tottenham, isn't it? And you know everything about Tottenham, and that's why you're here. Well, I mean, I feel like you've you've oversold me to the point where I can't possibly not disappoint people now, but yeah, okay, good. we'll go with that. That's my aim. Um, the reason we're doing this is because... Well, partly because uh, Pochettino has said a few interesting things in the last couple of days, which you informed me before we started the podcast might not actually be as interesting as I think they are, but we'll talk about that more. But also because Tottenham are now in a position where they they seem kind of, in a fragile way, fixed in the top four, perennially just off the top two, right? And when I put a question out to uh, YouTube subscribers and people on Twitter asking for questions for this today. The main one that comes back over and over and over again is what on earth do Tottenham need to do to improve their current position? Because I think you would agree that what Pochettino has done with the squad, with the with the available resources in the current climate, is kind of incredible. That's absolutely remarkable. And, yeah, and the fact absolutely. that... It, we can talk about this a little bit more later, but removing one or two elements from that, it feels like it could all sort of collapse. I mean, this this came up quite a lot when... Mourinho lost his job because immediately there was a lot of discussion about Pochettino being being yeah. a long-term replacement. Um, to, well, this morning he kind of uh, the, some quotes came out that maybe put uh, put heat to that for a while. So he said, uh, "I hope or wish to be here twenty years and decide to leave or finish my career here. Maybe bit of a sort of uh, a Ferguson thing, maybe." Um, but previously this week, I'm, I think he said this at the same time, didn't he? But they released it two different times. Can you explain that to me? Right. So two, the, two different quotes came out two different times in the week. Made me think something which isn't true because you <laughs> go. Right. So it's, it's a very strange convention in press conferences, which is a little bit outdated because of the way media works now. I mean, in a digital sense. So when you when you when you um, have a situation where there are a lot of games in quick succession, sometimes um, within the same press conference. You'll, you'll have information which is only to be used at certain times. Yeah. So, for instance, like a you know match A on a Saturday, you go into the press conference afterwards um, and you do your, your usual, you know, what do you think of that goal, Maurizio, stuff. At a certain point, potentially, if, if the club are playing again on the Monday or the Tuesday, the press officer will say, right, questions for... There's not going to be another press conference between that point and the sort of the scheduled um, game then he'll, he'll create a division, which means that anything that happens there, anything that's asked or um, any interesting little bits that come out will be embargoed. So embargo usually be set at sort of 11 o'clock the next night or something, or wh- whatever the case may be. Mm. But you can't... It's not, a, it's, it, it's not legislative. You don't go to football media jail if you break it. But it's a kind of... It's a tradition. It's a sort of... You know, I, I've been in press rooms where embargoes have been broken by people who perhaps don't quite understand that and some of the old school guys me well it would be me too everyone everyone has to because you don't there's no there's no tutorial for this stuff you don't get sat down on day one and say right don't do this 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 or this Mm. you have to be you have to have someone that's that's willing to put an arm on your shoulder i've been in that situation too i've been sat there transcribing and a senior journalist is just whispering in my ear no this is for you know and i wouldn't know that otherwise Mm. anyway every now and again it happens and when that does, invariably, there's a huge sense of humour failure from a senior guy. Right. Um, okay. It's quite awkward to be in mm. press rooms when that happens. Well, in this instance, though, it, <laughs> it seems kind of it seems that there's more meaning to it because the the first set of quotes that came out earlier uh, or over the weekend, um, Pochettino was saying uh, that we can't. I'm going to find actually because he said something about how we can't. We need to operate in a different way yeah. if we want to win. At the moment, we operate in the same way as five years ago when we arrived. Maybe we can win some titles, but it's going to be a tough job to do because in that situation, every club in the last five years has been improving a lot. Yeah. And so when I read those yesterday, my first thought was, well, OK, he knows about the Manchester United speculation. He's in a position now where he's got some leverage. I, haven't, I don't know if this is uncharacteristic of him or not in press conferences because it... It reminded me of of Mourinho in a way. It, it seemed very much that he was he was saying something to Daniel Levy, right? But 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 saying it through the media. It's not uncharacteristic because actually, I mean, Tottenham fans will know this, but 
he he said pretty much exactly the same thing at the end of last season. Right. So the season ended, and he um, he very publicly and very deliberately talked about <clears throat> Tottenham's transfer behaviour. Now historically, it's a <clears throat> Daniel Levy likes to operate the end of windows. He likes to do things on a budget. Whereas Pochettino's point at the time in that particular press conference was that because we're operating on that budget. Whoever we need to bring in needs to come in at the beginning of a window mm. so that they have a full preseason, they're conditioned properly. It's a big part of Portuguese football, it's conditioning. Um, and that they're tactically aware enough to be a a, a, uh, a relevant component from day one of the season. So it's not a coincidence that he's saying this now in January? No, no it, it's not at all because he, say, he said many <laughs> of the same things before and he drops those little bits into, into press mm. conferences often. I mean, mm. not all the time, but it, it's not just a, it, it wasn't a one-off. Okay. I think what happened there, um, and I'm not, I'm, I'm only speculating and I don't want to sound too conspiratorial, but this is a big story. Whether it has yeah. any value, when it has a, whether there's any veracity to it or not, it is a big story. It's mm. why Sky Sports can't get through an, a, a, you know, a, a single game without bringing this up somehow. Yep. Even if it doesn't involve Tottenham Manchester United, it, it becomes part of the conversation. You, you mean you mean him potentially taking over? It, exactly. It's yeah. a sort of, you know, I mean, if you if you remember the uh, Tottenham Everton game just before Christmas when they they won six two, um, it was it was almost farcical and it upset a lot of Tottenham fans because it was there was there was their team um, scoring six goals six goals away from home at a you know very capable football team. Um, I know Everton are on a bit of a downturn, but even so, and yet it was almost the background to this sort of non ceasing monologue mm. about. You know, what if this? And, you know, uh, well, they've scored a, a fourth goal now, so is he less likely to go or more likely to go? And mm. I think what you have to understand is that um, what one has to understand, not you personally, Joe, is that um, that sometimes there are certain stories which, you know, are beneficial to everyone. I mean, mm. if they, I, I, my own personal opinion is that sort of it's a, it's a decision we made in a couple of months' time. Pochettino is, Pochettino's big thing is focus. It is, you know, he is, he's been very harsh on players that have, um, that has fallen away from the group or showed a sort of a wavering level of commitment. Carl uh, Walker's a very good example, Andros Townsend, Fazio, Yunus Kabul. Um, and so he is kind of of the same mindset in the sense that he, is, he has a job to do at Tottenham. And, mm. and so no matter what gets said about Manchester United, I think that sort of the theme throughout his press conferences since that story sort of began its life are that, you know, he is committed to... You know, for now, I don't, I don't know what will happen well, I mean, in the future. But but he's just said he wants to, he maybe wants to stay for ten or twenty years. Mm-hmm. I mean, to to, to counter your point, yeah, it's not really focus on the current time, is it? I mean, that, that's quite a big statement to make. You don't hear that very often from he, managers, partly because not many are in the position where they could say. Yeah, that. It's, it's, it's it's a kind of comment which can make you look quite stupid. Yeah, if you're six months in the job and you'd be like, yeah. well, I want to be here for ten years, and you're gone in eighteen months. Well, look, and arguably Pochettino is is someone who could totally get away with saying that because I imagine most Spurs fans want him to stay for twenty years. But yeah, what what does that mean then? I mean, if you say that in the same Say that in the same press conference, or the, 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 the quotes come from the same press conference in which he's essentially asking Daniel Levy for yeah. more money. What I would have assumed, and when I read the quotes from this morning about how he wanted to stay for 20 years, that he might have had some sort of unofficial agreement with Daniel Levy who's reassuring him that things will be done in a different way. Because otherwise it seems like a big wad to blow, doesn't it? If you've got yeah. leverage, then why on earth would you publicly say that you want to stay for 20 years and if you've leverage. just said that you want, yeah. I, that's what that's what well, I don't understand. In terms of any special agreements with Daniel Levy, I I, I don't know. I have. Why I, don't I, you I, know? I, I just I'm not doing my job well <laughs> enough. What I will say is that I think it's reflective of take the Tottenham thing out of it. I think what you're looking at there is who Maurizio Pochettino is as a person. Yeah. His big thing is dynasty. Yeah. I mean, anyone who's who's read his book or been around his press conferences, this is someone whose focus is not necessarily on um, big transfer budgets and big basic wages. Although, like all of us, that would probably be nice. Yeah. Um, his thing is construction. He wants a, he wants permanence, um, and he he if you see, look at his behaviour actually at Spurs, I mean, there's a lot to it. I mean, he he is a manager who will take time to mould a player. I mean, probably the best contemporary example is Musa Sissoko. Yeah. Right, a laughing stock for two years. Sure. Absolute laughing stock. And you know there were there were Tottenham fans that just. Didn't want him sold. They want him given away. Just mm. cancel his contract. Lots of tweets about driving him to the club themselves. There, there you go. Yeah. Absolutely. And yet, Pochettino seems to take the greatest pride in reversing a player's fortunes. I think probably they also in 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 informing younger players. I think probably the happiest I've ever seen Pochettino was when Harry Winks scored his debut goal. I mean, he 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 made his first Premier League start against West Ham a couple of years ago at White Hart Lane, 
And I was at that game and I, I had a, the, the perfect vantage on their celebration. Wink scored, runs directly to Pochettino. Pochettino's quite an expressive guy, but he's not necessarily that big on, on kind of... He's not Jurgen Klopp. No. He's not about to run into the middle of the field before full time and, mm-hmm. and, and hug his goalkeeper. He's not really that guy. And it's the thing that seems to, to, to animate him the most is, is seeing a young player take instruction, fit into the team and become a credible Premier League performer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think this, I want to stay here for 20 years, 10 years, that thing. I, I think that's really about, I don't think anybody should say, right, well, that's it then. Mm-hmm. Man United are not of interest because Man United are always of interest. Anybody in world football, any given time, they, they, even if, even if their, their, um, their first team was in a, a state of long-term decline, they're still of interest because of the amount of money they can offer. So he'd be a fool to just go, right, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not, not interested in that. What does he want then, though? Because, I mean, to go back to him talking about Most how of the, all, personally. the club needs to operate in a different way. If you're mm-hmm. saying that some of the, the happiest you've ever seen him is yeah. uh, turning a player's fortune around or when a young player scores his debut goal, it's, it's obviously a, almost a perfect fit for, yeah. for Tottenham because Tottenham don't have the finances to support what another coach might want. What's he actually asking for then? If it's not for additional money to buy someone in January, which doesn't seem to fit the model of yeah. developing someone over a period of time. I, what, I, what does he want? Well, I've got a theory. Yeah, I don't know how this, how, how this you know if this will ever be substantiated. I think what Pochettino would most like is a um, a continuous conveyor belt of potential. Yeah, I don't think he he's not actually one of the reasons to believe that he might not take the Manchester United job is because he doesn't really like working with superstars. Yeah. He doesn't like players that aren't pliable. He wants someone um, with that attitude, with that ego. Obviously, Manchester United are not the place if you want to avoid those kind of things. Unless you're Marcus Rashford. Unless you're Marcus Rashford, probably, or Luke Shaw, who he had a very good rep- a relationship with. Um, I think what he would like is for Tottenham to be in a situation where they, they're they not going to ever be a um, you know an apex predator in the financial sense. But if they can become the premier destination for the very best European talent, very best players between the ages sort of 18 and 22... I think that satiates Pochettino. As long as, I mean, what, what will annoy him is if what will create the sort of the wondering about where, where whether his his work at Tottenham is complete is when a team reaches a point in which people start saying, "Well, it, is that as far as it can go?" Mm. Can well, that feels like something that people have said every season about Spurs. Exactly that is always the kind of well, that, that that's Harry Kane's limit, that's Ericsson's limit, that's Lamella's limit, that's Sissoko's limit. I think what Pochettino needs is for that question never to exist. Mm. So it means when the summer comes and you know you're you're not doing anything maybe you're if you're Daniel Levy you're making sure James Madison goes to Tottenham rather than Leicester City for instance or mm-hmm. you know Ben Chilwell is another good example. You know these kind of players because it's almost like giving a, a youngster a new toy to make sure that he never quite gets bored mm-hmm. never starts thinking well you know what do I do now? And do you think that that is something that because as, as I said before, the, the, the interesting thing about that is that it, 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 see, it would seem to make Pochettino the perfect candidate for Spurs yeah. with the resources that they have. Yeah. Is that something that he has developed having been there? Or mm. is that something that just sort of naturally suits what Daniel Levy is, is able to offer him? A bit of both. I think one of the reasons why he was appointed was because Tottenham, Tottenham foresaw where they were going. Not just in the sense that they, they built a... Know, state-of-the-art training facility but also mm-hmm. they understood what challenges the the stadium would pose and mm-hmm. and also that you know over time the financial reach of a club like Manchester City Manchester United increasingly Liverpool Arsenal he, he understood what he's going to have to compete with so you can't within that context he could never have appointed someone that was just a checkbook manager he mm-hmm. needed someone that not only um, had the skills uh, to develop uh, unrealized potential, but also, was also willing to do it because they're, they're two very different things. Because if you look around the Premier League at the moment, there aren't many managers, for instance, who would who would say, "Right, Oliver Skip, you can start a Premier League game against Burnley." You might say to that, you know, there, there are plenty who would say, "Right, well, you can have seven minutes again uh, at the end of a League Cup tie, which is you know, which you're already winning four nil." Mm. But not many that have the faith to say, "Right, you're, you're going to start because you're good enough." And that's the commodity that I think Daniel Levy identified all those years ago. Okay. Um, and it, it, you know, his his record for improving not just you know young players but players who are already assumed to be at the sort of the limits of their potential. Carl Walker is a good example. Danny Rose is a very good example. Um, Musa Dembele, who looks like he might be about to be sold, he's coming to the end of his career. Mm. Prior to but Pochettino's arrival, there were you you could not find a less popular person at Tottenham. Yeah. Um, and yet he's become you know I mean he's. Uh, He's a unique player, and not necessarily the very best, but he's certainly unique. And certainly, is unique. Yes, I mean he used to be a striker, didn't he? He grew up as one. He, he actually um, 
he grew up playing football. Uh, he grew up in Belgium, but he um, when when he was a youngster, he used to play football in a sort of without goals. Right. So he used to, um, you know, whatever form of the game him and his his childhood friends played was about sort of maintaining possession rather than actually scoring. So right. one of the great criticisms of him has always been just doesn't score enough goals, doesn't right. make enough shots. But what you see is this kind of this ridiculous ability to, to retain possession, the strength mm. on the ball and the techniques. So yeah. you ask any Tottenham player who the most skillful player is at the club, Mr. Dembele. Particularly moving with the ball as well, right? So, so it's one of the reasons why I love going to football live. It's just to see something like that is is, is quite extraordinary. He's mm. um, yeah, he's a rare player. It's very sad. He's you know he struggled with with injury for a very long time, and he is coming to the end now. And probably by the time this releases, he will be yeah. a Beijing one player. Mm. Well, speaking of going to the football live, yes, uh, what on earth is happening with the stadium? Because <laughs> I, as far as I understand it, originally it was supposed to open at the beginning of this season, yeah. uh, and then it was sort of pushed back to October November time. Currently, uh, it's the 8th of January 2019. Mm-hmm. There's no date in sight. We're not necessarily... What's happening? Right. What's happening? <laughs> so originally, originally, the stadium was supposed to open in, in readiness for the 2018-19 season. Mm-hmm. Um, which is in the past. Which is, we are now in the 2018-19 season and mm-hmm. there is no new stadium. Then it was pushed back to the first game was supposed to be Liverpool at home at the beginning of September. Mm. Um, and then... Um, it, it's all quite vague. So there's, there was a, uh, a wiring failure. Um, Mace, who are the uh, principal contractors who are in charge of the construction, um, they were going through, they, they were nearing the end of their actual build of the, you know, the, the, the place itself. Um, and it failed uh, some of the wiring. And I just don't have the knowledge to, to explain this better than I will. Um, the, the, some of the wiring in the stadium failed. A, it's kind of like a fire inspection. In okay, a, way. a safety test. Basically, like yeah. a more convoluted version of that. Um, and at which point, there was no hard deadline for the no. stadium. It just got removed. It was like, well, this is a problem. We're going to... It was at that point which, uh, at which Daniel Levy um, made the arrangements to, you know, to, to make the provision to play at Wembley for... At that point, I think it was until the end of the year, which has mm. now obviously been extended. He has the option to do it for the rest of this season as, as a whole. Yeah. And then there was a, an additional problem, the... Um, some of the wiring in the stadium's uh, air conditioning system was a lot, of wi- a lot of wiring problems. So Bad wiring. Interestingly enough, or it's actually quite boring, one of the first jobs I did was um, in the des- design and build industry. No, I was an overseer of wiring. Uh, okay. I wasn't a wirer. You're not a wire expert. No, an air conditioning unit, that sounds like the kind of thing where you'd be like, right, well, it's not working, fix it. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of the air conditioning units in a, in a football stadium especially are arterial. So they go through things and under things and behind things and, and sort of if you've got a problem with one of them, it's a nightmare. Right. Um, and so uh, we are due, literally as we're talking now, we are due an update any minute. Right. Um, I have some... Keep sus- your phone on. Yeah, well, this is the thing. I, I, I spoke to one of the, um, the, the, the journalists who is club specific at Spurs uh, on the train up here and he said, no idea. Yeah. I mean, it could be any minute. Because yeah. I said, look, I, I, I'm i doing this podcast. Am I going to look stupid if I say X? And he's like, I can't help you. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so so maybe this has to be an asterisk against this pod. I don't know. So if, if, if it has, I, 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 I suspect, and this, is, this isn't based on anything other than rumor yeah. and things I've overheard. I don't think they'll be in there this year. Yeah. Um, this season or this year? This season, right. sorry. Okay. This season. I think um, it's getting to the point where... I mean, the, the latest rumor. I think the earliest it can now open because once you before you open a stadium, you have to hold a series of events that to, to get your uh, security uh, safety certificates. Yeah. Tottenham held one just at the end of November where they invited South Stand uh, season ticket holders, or you know, you could pay a pound and go into the stadium and have a look around. Right. They've done one. They need to hold a further two events. One of which will probably be an under twenty three game. Uh-huh. Another, I, I think, at the moment is scheduled to be a legends game, but they have no dates attached to them. But you have to do that before you play any games there. Right. Um, so there is the possibility that Crystal Palace at home, which I think is in March, will open the stadium. Mm-hmm. I will be skeptical about that until I hear otherwise. I'll put it that way. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And delighted to be proven wrong. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely delighted. I, I can't wait. But, let, uh, let me ask you this though. Right. There's a, if if it's a uh, and again. Uh, subject to further announcement, mm-hmm. but uh, wiring problems. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you specifically to explain what, what a wiring problem is. I can have is. a go, but I'm not sure it's of use to anyone. Wires, I like them. But yeah. uh, that sounds like a, a cock-up on, on behalf of the, the contractor, on the part of the contractor, 
what does that mean for Spurs financially? Are they is this costing them a lot of money, or or does the contractor have to um, have to uh, what, what, take the was, risk? Of that? Without seeing the contract that exists between Mason and Tottenham, it's yeah. hard to say because most con- contracts, especially one of that size, they will come with penalty clauses. Yeah. However, what I do you know is that. Um, because of the delays which have been incurred, which involve things like not only the cost of putting this stuff right, yeah. but also lost revenue. Yeah. Because that would have been budgeted in. And you, do, you, you know, you wouldn't, Tottenham would not have, assumed, well, they'd have made the provision to, but ordinarily, if everything had gone to plan, they wouldn't be paying for Wembley for a further season. Yeah. Um, they would be getting, you know, all the revenue from a, a stadium which holds 62,000 people, plus all the stuff which goes with the modern stadium now. Um, so they had a, a loan facility which was originally um, I think it was around six hundred and thirty million pounds, and that's had to be increased by another two hundred and fifty-ish, maybe a little bit less than that. Right. Um, that loan facility, I think, is repayable by twenty twenty-two. Um, I don't know what kind of interest rate that is applied to that. Um, what anyone can work out though is that when you have a, a loan which is repayable under such a short deadline, that causes a strain somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Most notably in a transfer budget, which tallies yes. with, yeah. Well, this is what I was going to ask you because yeah. I mean we've we've seen all the well, I hesitate to call them horror stories, but we we saw the difficulties that Arsene Wenger experienced yeah. after the Emirates was built. Yeah. Uh, we know from that situation that the time, uh, that you know, it seems almost kind of. It doesn't really make sense that if you sort of compare it to how you or I would make a purchase because yeah. we don't really do it like that. We would be saving up before we did it. But that's not the case. Stadium, I think I would save up for a few (laughs) weeks. Yeah, but I mean, uh, so presumably the 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 tightest times are going to come once the stadium's actually opened. I read this morning. I didn't. You may may know this already, but that uh, Tottenham charge four hundred and five pounds for children to be mascots at their games. Did you know that? Yeah. Also, troublingly, that's not even the 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 most expensive mascoting you can do in London. Seven hundred in West Ham. Well done, Karen Brady. Wow. Well done. Wow. Yeah. That is at West Ham. That. I mean, I know we're 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 going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but that disgusts me. That is that's crazy. That's for but a, a lovely alternative source of income for uh, for Tottenham uh, to pay off the new stadium. Well, do, well, yeah, I mean, I suppose they'll, they'll how many mascots to... do you need? No, <laughs> just you know, three a player and yeah, they just. <laughs> Make the money back that way. That's you know, what we'll you, notice next year if there's like, if there's a hundred kids coming out every game. Well, you, you know what, Joe? One, one of the things that Arsenal comparison is is apt, but it's also in Tottenham's case it's more troubling because if you remember, obviously Arsenal sold the, the land on which Highbury was built, mm-hmm. whereas Tottenham have built on the same site. It's, mm-hmm. There's a little bit of an overlap. I mean, it's um, it's not exactly mm-hmm. where it was, but it's it's meters away. Sure. So they haven't had the luxury. I mean, one thing in their favour, I guess, is that. Um, the, um, the the broadcasting contract has um, grown exponentially in those years. Mm-hmm. Um, Tottenham's but commercial... But it has for everyone else. Has for everyone else, but I mean, it probably makes cash flow less tight, I'd have thought. Sure. You know, servicing alone is easier now than it would have been then. I don't suspect that the club will be in danger in the same way that they might have been had they done this 10, 15 years ago. No. I think the, the, the issue is the, is the difference between the income of Tottenham and the rest of the top six. And that, that's, that's always the case, right? I mean... It's the reason be... for the stadium itself. Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of... I mean, I, but then I, even that doesn't... That, that's the thing with the stadium. I mean, I, I know... I think you know, you know what I'd gone say? by, that made, that made a big difference, I, but it doesn't I anymore. So. Well, I, I, I would say that, you know, Tottenham Stadium is a beautiful... Architecturally, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's an amazing place. What I say is the, the time for trying to um, grow via physical infrastructure has passed because match yeah. day income has never been less important than it is now. So why are they doing it? <sighs> I mean, what, 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 what actually is the well, there increase are, there in attendance? Are, there are sort of secondary... Well, so we, they've gone up from 34,000 to 62,000. Okay, so, so it's, it's nearly double. It's double, essentially. Right. Um, the commercial... The sort of the, um, the corporate facilities are in a different stratosphere yeah. uh, as, you know, if you want a cheese room, if you want to look in on... From yeah, the tunnel yeah, club. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the options there are of us. So, do you think that that is in part done with with a, with a kind of hope that that will assist or become part of the um, the aim to grow their commercial income? Because that's where we yeah. see the big difference with, particularly with the top six, and and that is that is where Manchester United are an arm's length ahead of everybody else, but yeah. Tottenham are behind. Well, I, I think so. I mean, I don't think you can close that gap just by you know, inside even two generations because Manchester United's commercial uh, advantage is not built on just winning a lot of Premier League titles in the modern era. Manchester United are a club of unrivaled history in this country. You know, there are there are people of every age who who have their own sort of reference point, whether it's 
Munich or, you know, it's Charlton and Best and Law or even Ferguson or, you know, I don't, I don't probably not so many people that celebrate the Louis van Gaal era, but there are trophies, you know, mm. there are, you know, there, there are, it's a, a commercially visible um, entity and Manchester United remember one of the first clubs in this country to understand the value of exporting <clears throat> their, I hate for the word, but brand. Yeah. You know, they're one of the first clubs to be going abroad and to be trying yeah. to, you know, to, 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 to sort of make the step towards a different type of supporter. Yeah. Now, I mean, it's, does it. it's just extracting cash. I mean, I remember yeah, reading about that and them saying our biggest, you know, untapped uh, potential revenue source is all the fans elsewhere in the world yeah. who aren't paying to watch the games. An untapped revenue source? What an awful way to describe people. <laughs> but it, it is true. And, and, and there, there, there is no innocent party here because every, every club tries to do it now. Mm. Um, but Manchester United had a huge head start. On top of their advantage as an institution, they did that first. They had the foresight. You know, obviously, um, Martin Edwards was, was, was key to that. But... Um, and Tottenham, I mean, Tottenham, Tottenham are trying to play catch in a different sort of way. Obviously, the stadium will help in, in terms of what it symbolizes, you know, what it can attract. Because a lot of the value in world football today comes through individual players. So if you've got this sort of opulent jewel of a football stadium, I expect the hope is that that married with the club status in the top four in the Champions League football, you, you, you know, the, the younger fans attach themselves, particularly in foreign countries, attach themselves to, um, to individuals. Hmm. So if you can bring in players that sort of have that visibility, the marketing worth of someone like, for instance, Harry Kane, um, Christian Eriksen, perhaps, you know, uh, <laughs> Delhi Ali, if he stayed at the club long term, is worth more than a stadium because that's what breeds the loyalty. Yes. You can argue about whether that's valid and, and people that sort of grew up at a slightly different time of the game can you know, can wring the hands and, you know, mutter darkly about it. But it's just a fact. It's just so what the happens way if Harry Kane leaves? I mean, that's the second biggest uh, question. Not specifically Harry Kane, but... What happens if there's a, an exodus? Yeah, absolutely. But that's... Or not even an exodus. I mean, this is the issue with, with if Spurs. If key pieces it, start to This is away. the thing, because it, with other clubs, you would say, if there's an exodus. Yeah. With Spurs... Yeah. And obviously, it's testament to Pochettino's ability not only to sign those players onto long-term contracts, but also to provide replacements who come from uh, yep. unexpected sources, let's say, right, or, or from you know the, the the youth part of the club. But what if Harry Kane leaves? You know, because it, it, with 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 Tottenham, it honestly does feel like if one big key player left, and I also include Pochettino in that as well, it feels like the whole thing could just crumble, right? I think not crumbles too strong, but. No, no, I understand what you're pointing out. I would say that sort of, um, I would say their place in the top four is fragile. And yeah. I, I think sometimes the club have been guilty of not really appreciating that. Yet they seem the most consistent in terms of football. They do. And it's a testament to Pochino. I mean, yeah. you know, he deserves, there isn't a big enough contract for him, really. Yeah. I mean, he's the, you could argue in the top flight at the moment that he is the most valuable commodity yeah. because what would, in, in terms of the damage that his absence was, would cause, certainly. Yeah. Um, the, Exodus thing, look, it's been around for uh, for the last three or four years. I yeah. mean, it's it's almost the point where it's almost a comedy now, where whenever Tottenham spike in their form, this follows. And, but it's valid. I mean, I I think I would I would separate out the players into different groups. So you have your more transient types. So I'd say, you know, someone like Christian Eriksen, because Eriksen, you know, he has no natural tie to the club. He is loyal to the club in the sense that he is loyal to his manager and his teammates. But again, those are if not Barcelona comes all in. Yeah, but you could also argue, I, I, I'm a Tottenham fan, you know, full disclosure. I could understand that. I'd hate it, but I'd understand it because Christian Eriksen, is, is, his partner has just had a child. Um, he is a young father. He will be looking to set himself up for life and he is entitled to do that. He has stayed at Tottenham for a long time. I'm sure he's had offers in the past. Um, so there's that. Kane is a different thing because I, I don't think... The hurricane. <laughs> no, I heard someone earlier. I can't remember. And you who just it couldn't was. resist. I heard someone earlier describe it as one of the. Gr- oh, I'll tell you what. No, I bought the new FIFA game. Did you? Right? Yeah. Did you? As a, as an impulse purchase on New Year's Eve, so I could play it with my uh, friend. Yeah. We're really bad. Uh, but I, incidentally, it made me realise I should be doing that more often because. Uh, it's the best way to get all the pronunciations of player names. Go on, Martin Tyler. Exactly. Go on, Martin and, Tyler. And it was Martin Tyler, I think, who said, and uh, uh, Hurricane is one of the best football nicknames of recent times, based, of course, on his real birth name, Harry Kane. So that's it's very that's clever. That's why I said it's Hurricane, very... yeah. Kane, I, I understand why people talk about Kane leaving, but my, my own view on it is Kane, Kane has an opportunity that very few, few footballers 
ever get the chance to to to, to inhabit it, to it, beat Alan Shearer. No, not even Shearer. Um, forget Shearer. Harry Kane could surpass potentially someone like Jimmy Greaves. <clears throat> now, when you give a, a player a chance, when you give a a fan the chance to, for want of a better phrase, uh, disturb the order of a, a, a club's immortals, so to carve yourself on that individual club's, club's Mount Rushmore, that's mm. a very seductive um, yeah. opportunity. I and I also don't think. Um, Harry Kane has no release clause in his contract. I don't actually think there's an amount of money that would... If Daniel Levy was to sanction a sale of Harry Kane, yeah. his position, I mean, not in a literal way, his position kind of becomes untenable. Mm-hmm. Because it, it would just be... It would be, a, it would be unforgivable. Because of what? Not because of the player he is, because of who he is. Because yeah. Harry Kane, a great goal scorer, a fantastic centre forward, a lovely story, a fan of the club. What about that picture of him in an Arsenal shirt as, as a child? Well, he 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 was he was um, he was wretched by Arsenal. He was mm. part of their sort of their mini youth I see. setup. Yeah. I've only ever seen that, and I've never never. I mean. It was a joke question. It doesn't matter. And I reject you, you got to answer. I, 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 when it comes to Kane, I don't have any sense of humour at all. <laughs> right, so, okay. Let, let's uh, hypothetically say then that that is true for Harry Kane. Yeah. He's unlikely to leave yeah. for numerous reasons, right? Let's imagine it's uh, Jurassic Park 2. Uh, half of the uh, mobile home is off of the cliff. Right. right? Yeah. You've got someone on the pane of glass. It's fragile. The mobile phone is slipping. When it falls and smashes, yeah. that person goes, yeah. unless they're saved by Jeff Goldblum. Mm-hmm. Uh who is that person then? If it's not Harry Kane, who's the potential trigger of the uh, sort of the the, the, the who's fr- the, the gen- Jenga block that brings down the tile? Yes. Or who would be who would be the worst person to leave right now, other than Harry Kane and Pochettino? Oh, right now, right now, oh, Ericsson. 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 Not uh, Deli Ali. No. No, no, no. The, yeah, Ali is a fantastic player. Ericsson is fundamental to the way the team plays. Right. So there is a huge difference. And how do you? Yeah, how do you replace him? Oh, well, I, I have no idea. I mean, you certainly can't replace him. Forget like for like. You can't replace him with a player at his standing in the game. You can't yeah. go out and buy another player in his mid-twenties who's fully developed. You have to then go back a step and mm. say, right, well, I, I'm going to take a punt on a 21-year-old and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna carve this player into what we need him to be over a succession of seasons. So mm-hmm. I don't... It, this might sound controversial, but I, I don't see a disaster scenario. There's no doomsday at Spurs. There's no... Unless Pochettino leaves. Well, even then, I, I think... Because this is one of the questions, incidentally, we will get onto some more of these shortly, but one of the questions, and forgive me for listeners, I can't remember who asked this, but who would your preferred replacement for Pochettino mm-hmm. be? There's lots of discussion about, uh, from in, not in the media, in the comments, Eddie Howe as yeah, an example. Yeah. I, well, I, I think, first of all, let me... There's a philosophy which goes with replacing Pochettino in that you don't try and replace him like for like. You mm-hmm. just say, we need to, to create a new era. Mm-hmm. We don't bring in a guy that's going to be there for 18 months or two years. We bring in another guy that's shown a track record for being loyal, mm-hmm. who is wedded to a particular process and not just going to be knocking on the chairman's door saying, I want another £50 million pounds for mm-hmm. uh, whatever. Well, that sounds like Eddie Howe. It sounds like Eddie Howe. And I, I, I've covered Bournemouth a little bit. And, um, or Jose Mourinho. I, I think, <laughs> honestly, I, and I, I'm not joking, I, I think... And I know Manchester United fans who are in this boat. Jose Mourinho is a poison in a football club. And the moment he comes in is the moment people stop enjoying it. Mm. I, I think it's terribly sad given what he was, but it's, it's, still, it's still true. Mm-hmm. And as far as his career is going, he's a, he's a busted flush. He's, sure. he's finished at the top of, of um, uh, football. It's another conversation, but I think it's would be great at, a, uh, at a, an underdog. Yeah, he, but he needs that. But I, I think where, that, the, where the players really get behind him, he would have made once upon a time. If there was no Diego Simeone in this world, he'd have made a fantastic Atletico Madrid manager, right? You know, or yeah. a a fantastic Marseille manager, mm. or you know, something like that. But I, now it's it's kaput. He's off to a national team somewhere. Probably, I reckon they'll replace Southgate with him at England at some point. Oh God, imagine <laughs> you know. Anyway, Qatar so, 2022. Oh, Here we come. So don't, don't Actually, James Montague reckons he'll be the Qatar manager in uh, yeah, that makes in, in sense. 2022. Well, you know what? I, I don't respect anyone more than James Montague, so we'll, I, I'm not going to. Even your life partner or parents? Different kind of respect. Sure, yeah, different okay. kind of respect. Well, uh, Jalen doesn't listen to this, I'm sure, so she'll be okay. <laughs> um, so Eddie Howe. Yeah, the one on. thing I like about him is is the thing that. People always, the detractors always say is, what are Bournemouth as a football team? Look, they're, they're a mid-table side, they're struggling. The thing I say about Howe is he's a very detail-orientated person. Um, mm. He's a very smart person. He's the kind of person, when you, when you sit in a press conference with him and you ask him a question, he'll actually answer it. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe in that so strongly. I actually did the thing that you told me not to do. Hitting the, the table. table. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. It's all right. Um, but he, he's someone that, 
if you look at Bournemouth over the last probably three years, each season they've had this sort of perilous downturn where their form has just dropped off a cliff. Mm -hmm. And without spending a huge amount of money, he's reversed the process. Yeah, incredible and scouting. Well, I, I wouldn't even say, good scouting, yeah. And um, we've got a very good video on that, I know. There's also an excellent Daniel story piece on the BBC, our, our website about him. But what I say also, that, that shows a Pochettino-like quality, which is to dig into your squad as it is and find ways of improving it. Problem solve, I think, is, is the sort of is a bit of a you know horrible phrase. But yeah. that, for, for want of a better description, I, I think also, if you look to this day, Bournemouth has some startlingly average players in their first 11. Players who, with the greatest respect, have no business playing in the Premier League, mm -hmm. who, had they not been promoted up here, no one would ever have bought. Yeah. And yet, they're credible performers. And that's a, you know, the snobs would would hate it. They want a name. I understand that. But Tottenham are not built to accommodate a name. You can't, and they can't attract someone on a huge amount of money and risk the, you know, the prospect of a vast, another vast redundancy payment. They're not Chelsea. Mm. So you need to get this stuff right. You also need to recognize what the club is and what the club is built to do. And it is not to, um, to wave in a battalion of superstars every summer mm -hmm. and just hope that each each first team created separately at the beginning of July mm -hmm. manages to perform up to your standard. It is a different model and you need someone that suits that more than yep. you do. There are people that didn't want Pochettino, remember. People who thought he was beneath them. You know, when he was at Southampton, he's just a Southampton manager. Mm. They didn't look at what his attributes actually were and what his players said about him and what those players became under him mm -hmm. and how it's less spectacular. They're not very similar tactically there's a little there's a lot less urgency in house system mm -hmm. in, in my mind yeah um defensively uh i'm a little suspicious of him i'm not sure he's still learning his trade i guess um but why not i mean it's um there's no one else in you know i, I can i can throw out names to you from european football and I they sound that. great you know like you be, but this is the thing but at what oh, zidane I, I still don't know what Zinedine Zidane is as a man. No, I don't think you know, it's a ridiculous no thing does. to say because no he's won through three European Cups, but I have no idea if he's any good or not. Well, no, that's the difficulty. Yeah. We've had that trouble with doing tactics oh, sure, stuff exactly. with Zidane. It's basically impossible. It's impossible. Yeah. Um, Incidentally, on, on a sort of somewhere connected note, there is a rumour, I've no idea how credible, that uh, Arsenal have had a bid accepted for uh, James Rodriguez. That can't be possible. Well, I know, right? Because he's got an unbreakable loan contract. Does he? They've, I've heard. I've heard. Um, yeah, he's got a, a, a two-year loan. Oh. So I've heard Dennis Suarez that, that he might burn his way. Maybe I might. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe anyway, I'm wrong. I, I, was, I haven't. I was going I to. Will, um, I was going to move that into a into a question about. Does it ever frustrate I, you that Arsenal can do that? And okay, Spurs can't. You know, like YouTube commenters like are famously light-hearted anyway, aren't they? <laughs> from from what I understand, people don't. You know, when, when people make mistakes, they just be like, "Oh, don't worry about it. You give you benefit of that." No, they're really going to come down hard on you. <laughs> no, I've got no. As I said, I've got no idea. I don't does know what's it, happening. Does it frustrate like, me about yeah. Arsenal? Go on, ask the question. Yeah, does it does it frustrate you? Let's say in, in our hypothetical world where he, where that was a possibility, and we've seen it with Mesut Özil, for example, yeah. and Alexis Sanchez. Does it does it ever frustrate you? Do you do you ever have to sort of sit down on your on your bed and hold firm to Pochettino's Bible that um, the Arsenal can do that and Tottenham can't? Give, give, particularly given that Tottenham are playing far better football and have been more consistent over the last few years. What do you mean, just reaching into the back pocket? And, yeah, yeah, of course, of course, because yeah. it's it's very difficult. I mean, I, I think um, there have been points. Uh, I think the lowest I've ever been as a fan was after the Leicester season because I was so proud of. I mean, I I, I moved into the to the press box the year after. So I was still absolutely a fan. I was writing about the game, but I was, I, and I still am. I'm a fan first. I'm not, you know, if I wasn't a football fan, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be doing what I, what I do now. Yeah. Um, what annoyed me was that their overachievement was cheapened so much by, by uh, fans of clubs who just said, oh yeah, you, well, you bottled it. Like, yeah. Well, Pochettino worked with a core of about 13 players. Yeah. You know, he managed to make a, um, almost a, a Premier League title winner out of Deli Alley this season after jumping up from League One. I mean, did an incredible thing. So yes, it annoys me that you know you can't. I, I suppose what annoys me more actually is when players that sort of Tottenham have made just get taken away. Yeah, Modric, Carrick, Bale, Walker. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the great problems at Tottenham is the the fullbacks and and sort of you know, Pochettino from a Tottenham viewpoint. Pochettino made Kyle Walker turned him from a um, a very good attacking fullback with no end product and who was a liability in and around his own box. Into a third so probably to, to a World third centre back, but probably <laughs> also on his day the best full one of the best fullbacks in Europe. Sure. And then with the click of a finger, yeah, off you go. You're yeah. done. 
Walker was responsible for that in part, and it was Pochettino. Pochettino was willing to sell him, but the principle is very difficult. Like you, mm. as a, as a fan of anyone other than the two Manchester clubs and sometimes Chelsea, it, it feels almost like you're not allowed to have nice things. Mm. Like you're not allowed to have them for too long, and, and sure. also. On the, uh, with, with the knowledge that you know, uh, newly wealthy clubs like Man City, Man City, when they first were purchased by the Abu Dhabi Group, one of their strategies was to buy players from other clubs purely for the sake of weakening them. So Aston Villa, they took Milner and Barry, of course. Arsenal, they took everything other than sort of, you know, Islington itself. <laughs> um, and yes, they were valuable players, and they 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 you know they, they, they you know achieved good things. But the principle was was to sort of ease their way into the top four and it's just that's a very difficult um that's a very hard thing to forgive yeah yeah um and okay. so yeah of course because you, you also there's a perpetual question joe of if you gave Pochino those funds i think if 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 you'd given if you'd given pochettino manchester united's budget tottenham would have been champions by now mm. and i don't think it's that controversial to say i think it's probably quite likely yeah not just because of who he could <laughs> bought because of who he could have who he could have kept yeah so. Okay, well, uh, let's answer some questions from uh, listeners because there are over a hundred. Oh my so goodness. apologies, we can't answer all of them. Um, the first one I'm going to go to uh, is purely because you just mentioned it. Uh, from Regan Jishen, I apologise if I'm saying your name inaccurately. Do you think Spurs have improved since they came second in 2015-16? Which is an interesting question. That's very hard to answer. Came, came third in 2015-16. Oh, sorry. I yeah. think he means uh, the We'll season. go with second because that's also a very, power, very painful memory for me. But on the last day, they actually, yeah, people forget it. But yeah. Was it? Was that the last? That was the last season. That was the Newcastle. Did they not finish second? They got past on the last day by Arsenal. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Did you indeed? Did I you did. Indeed? I'm not part of the crew, so it doesn't, you know, it doesn't bear with me. I have not forgotten. Know, that's tattooed on me, that you, one. Okay, yeah. well, that's, that's, that's an interesting one, because that, okay. that was the big chance, right? So I think and they've improved. This, this bleeds into a second question that I want to add on to that, because the other thing, um, and it's even sort of joked about, I saw, I think it was Mundial put a tweet out earlier saying, describe your club without saying the name of your club. Mm-hmm. And a Spurs fan that I follow wrote, uh, we bottle it. And I know that's a, it's, a, it's a common sort of joke about Spurs. I don't know how accurate it is. What what does that mean to you, the the idea that Spurs bottle it and have they improved since 2015-16 when they bottled it? Uh, I suppose I, I find it quite annoying, I'll be honest, because I, I think mm. um, not just in relation to Tottenham, but I, I find like that getting applied to just almost every game that gets lost. Like I, sure. I, I had Liverpool bottled losing you know, their game against Manchester City the other night. Sure. I mean, really? I, you know, it, it seems to me like a description intended to wind people up on it social media. It comes up with Spurs more often than others, though. Why well, it is does, that? But I, I think because of their, their past, they were they were a very lightweight team. They were certainly more style than substance. I mean, people. One of the, the great measures of Pochettino's success is, particularly for younger fans, is go back through not just not into you know a long time ago. Just go back through your your, your Premier League years. Yeah episodes mm-hmm. particularly from you know the late 90s the early 2000s mm. then measure what he's been able to achieve then and the reason that the, 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 that 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 bottling thing it exists for a reason but it's hugely out of date sure i mean there isn't a, a club tottenham's great weakness used to be um away from home and yeah. they've got by far the, the, the best away record in the, in the country at the moment. So we'll, listen, speaking of the the the, uh, the commercial, uh, never mind. I was going to make a really bad joke about how you should advise Daniel Levy to get a. I could see. I could, I could, I well, could then see, you get uh, a sponsorship deal with Evian. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. Anyway, thank you for that question. Uh, I don't know if you answered the one. Have they improved since? Uh, I because that's hard. Because obviously uh, the, the, the 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 context changes as well, so it's hard to it's hard to say. Uh, I mean, yes, they're the a answer. different football team. Yes, yes, they have. I mean, they've they've developed. Um, you know, their, their tactical identity has developed a few. You know, they aren't wedded to exactly the same patterns of play as much as they used to. But no. they're actually a little bit more of a direct football team now, um, and it, it's been quite um, been quite successful. Um, they are inferior in a few positions. Mm-hmm. I put it that way. as a team, they're better, but they've certainly lost something from fullback. Um, uh, Hugo Lloris, I think, is a, a player on the decline. Um, yeah. and the midfield needs refitting clearly. well this is good because uh, we also have the first question I think that was asked let me scroll up and find it I should have written these down somewhere else it's from Mario Gomez 
I don't think that's the actual player. Sound the button. Although the picture is of the actual player. So I didn't maybe, know he was a TIFO fan. That's good. Maybe that's, he that's is. Good. Yeah. You never know. Uh, with squad Tottenham have, do they need to add reinforcements this winter to have a crack at the title? That's a sort of secondary question. Or even a cup? Question mark. I mean, you were mentioning that some players on the wane. You said also earlier that Levy likes to act at the end of summer window. Also, is that are you expecting anyone coming not, in January? Not, not really. I mean, also typically, um, maybe maybe they might, but uh, historically, if Pochettino signs a player, it takes a while for him to trust him. Mm-hmm. So, even if he signs someone now, um, that player is not going to be fundamental to what Spurs do for the next three months of the season, yep. for the final three months, and also. In January, of course, I mean, if we're talking cups, you've you got a problem because, you know, players are cup-tied. You know, you, your market shrinks. Um, so, I, no, I don't think so. I mean, um, I've heard some names, but I've heard some stupid fees attached to those names, and yeah. it, I, I can't see it. Okay. Uh, I also is... don't think it's necessary, Joe. Like, I, I think, you mm. know, there there are, you know, there are a few reasons to believe, like, uh, you know, there are a few injuries at the moment, but eventually Eric Dyer will come back. Victor Wanyama might be sold, but... Hopefully we'll have a period of uninterrupted football rather than just getting knackered every time he, he walks on the pitch. Mm. Um, they're, they're due a little bit of luck on the fitness front. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when that happens, uh, they'll, they have a good enough squad to achieve their objectives. I don't believe they're going to win the title, but I don't think that's their objective to do that this season. I don't think they were to finish the year as a top four side, take Champions League football into the new stadium. Mm. Terrific. Is, is Harry Winks your sort of uh, kind of midfield replacement for, for Dembele? Or no? Not a replacement, no. I think he's a, he's a long-term part of that midfield. I think mm. you need something a little bit tougher. Winks is a fabulous passer of the ball. He is a very brave player. Pochettino uh, trusts him implicitly. However, I think you need to replicate the kind of the, the physical... Dembele was... a fabulous technical player and one of the most skillful players I've ever seen but he also was an extremely strong player mm-hmm. um, and he gave Spurs a physical edge in that department and I think <clears> you need to replicate that you're not going to find another <clears throat> another Mr um, Dembele no. on the market you just you don't well but, I mean funnily enough you, you are because another one exists he's called Musa Dembele and he plays for Fulham does he? there's a second Musa Dembele a, no, he he was a forward. He's he's now at Leon. Yeah, I'm just saying. But there's well, you you could go and buy Ondembele from Leon. He's a sort of a deep lying <laughs> midfielder. who's a very good player. But I, I think you're gonna you're gonna end up spending fifty million quid to do that. You so could buy Uz- Usman Dembele. You, Maybe Pochettino could refit him. refit him as a. There's plenty of Dembele in the market. Industrious midfielder. Come on, yeah. come on. Right, Haley Selassie. Uh, what systems slash people are responsible for the success of Spurs Academy in recent years and their ability to make the transition to first team regulars and why can't other top English academies and nearly said academics with similar or better talents replace uh, re- replicate it um, really hard question to answer because it's, it's full of intangibles mm. um, and lots I, of different people lots of different people but I would <laughs> say probably the, the fundamental relationship it is between Pochettino and John McDermott um, John McDermott is is a. I'm not sure what his exact job title is, but he's certainly sort of head of everything. He sits above head of everything. Head of head of that area. Yeah, (laughs) there was a restructuring, and then a lot of different people got new job titles. So I don't want to commit to anything. I'll sound silly, but McDermott to to the point where when when these Man United rumors came up, Mm -hmm. there was the possibility. I mean, I don't know how true it was, but there was there was sort of someone threw it out that. United wanted both Pochettino and McDermott. They're yeah. very, very close, the two of them, and there's a lot of trust, but of you know they're, they're they're each other's judgment. And so, I think yeah, that's the critical thing. But I I I think I think the important thing is yeah, it, it's trust, Joe. It's not it's not how good are our youth coaches, mm. although that's obviously important. It's how good is information. If a head of a youth um, if, if the head of uh, an academy says to a first team manager, this player is ready, the important thing is that the manager, you know, trusts that, listens to it and says, yes, that's okay, mm-hmm. good enough for me. Or you, I will involve him in first team training for a couple of months. Or, you know, Pochettino, Pochettino does not like sending people out on loan. So if you get sent out on loan as a Tottenham player, that's, you know, ominous Curtains. organ music should, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Marcus Edwards <laughs> and Josh Onema mm-hmm. um, shouldn't be feeling too good about themselves. Um, but generally, there's a the working relationship is excellent, and that's that's very important. There's, I mean, I, if you read Pochettino's book, there's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff about McDermott in there. Um, okay, very valuable. Um, if you, I mean, the the person to follow on all Tottenham uh, youth matters is probably Chris Miller. It's Windy Coyce on Twitter. Okay, he's excellent. He's uh, he's uh, 
yeah, he, he gets a little bit overexcited with uh, Carl Walker-Peters. But other than that, he's extremely knowledgeable. So give him a follow. Well, speaking of young players, and coming back to something we mentioned earlier, uh, Naren Pamdapan, uh, who should Spurs target or promote from the reserves if there is someone to potentially replace Dembele long-term if he leaves or when he leaves? I mean, is there anyone currently... Oliver Skip's kind of on the margins. He's made a few first-team appearances already. Uh, I think Skip will be, be a very, very good player. Uh, I'm not... There's I, no other Dembele's, we've already said. I don't... No, and okay. not that I know of. I mean, I, I I pay quite a lot of attention without... I'm not there every week watching yeah. the under-23s. But Skip is one of the, the, the sort of the most promising midfielders I've seen for a long time. That being said, I, I still think... I mean... It, He's not ready to play 20 games a season. He's a you work him in gradually. Um, so no, I think if you're going to if you're going to really dramatically improve that midfield, it's going to have to come from the outside, or, or you're going to have to be patient. Okay, uh, Ben's minister of propaganda asks: Will Tottenham ever be able to become a bigger club than Arsenal fiscally and supporter-wise? Ben says, or is Premier League football too rigid now for that level of change? I don't. I, I don't really understand the question. Well, I well I suppose that's because there's a debate on what big means, right? I mean, I'm not sure I care. I mean, I, I, it's not, I'm, not trying, I'm not being dismissive. Day, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not being dismissive of the question. It's just that football club to me the thing is, is what it is to me. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't... I mean, I, I care about Arsenal twice a year. I mean, beyond that, I mean, I, I, I don't... Well, let's, let's replace Arsenal okay. again with... I mean, because the question of whether... What makes a club big or yeah. whether a club... We can, we can be pretty sure that Spurs of the big six are the smallest club. Yeah. Right. But that doesn't mean that they finish sixth. So it, yeah. it is a different thing. Yeah. And I suppose we kind of already touched on it a little bit really is well, how do you how do you make that bigger from being mm-hmm. smaller? I'm looking at a thing here that says that the top twenty followed clubs in real time, seventeenth on the list, eighteenth on the list I should say Spurs, who's sort of and this is not a not a brilliant indicator for how big a club is. Yeah. But in terms of uh, their sort of online followings yeah. It's ten times less that of Manchester United, as an example, yeah, yeah. and it's it's what I mean something five or six times less than Arsenal. Uh, how do you get big? Well, a couple of years ago, I'd have said by winning certain trophies, but I'm not really sure that's true because if you look at Leicester, I mean, didn't really do much for them. Leicester are kind of the, not the same club now because they're now a sort of a, a staple of the Premier League, but more or less. I mean, it hasn't sure. changed. Nothing has changed in the Leicester life. I mean, they, their social media hasn't massively increased either, even if we use the same barometer. No, when I when I walk outside, I'm not surrounded by people like young kids in Leicester shirts and, no. you know, Riyad Mahrez shirts and, you know, that kind of thing. So, no, I, I don't know. I think it's... Um, Individuals, like you said before, maybe. Maybe, maybe. I mean, That make it big. You know you know what, Joe? I mean, one of, one, of the, one of the problems with answering this question is that I don't feel confident in knowing what the game will be in 10 years' time. Mm. So, I mean, that's a far broader conversation, probably one you should have with James Montague. <laughs> But we aren't sure of what the structure of professional football will look like. Yeah. And we aren't sure of what the opportunities that will offer. So I don't know. I, and I, I'm not being dismissive by saying that I don't care. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to offend anyone. I, I no, just no. mean that it, I, 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 I'm not sure how much it matters. And I'm also I'm not sure how you ever gauge this stuff anyway. And Well, would you rather be left at the top of the Premier League or, at the, or at the, somewhere in the middle of the uh, European Super League? Just that, just that, like uh, your own personal, your own personal Premier League. I, I, I it's because it, it, it's what I grew up with. Mm. Not the Premier League. It's a a league structure where there is an exit and an entry. Mm. You move up, you move down. Well, I grew up with Marilyn Manson. I don't like him anymore. No, you don't. But I, it's it's what I know, and I, I would have a very difficult time accepting a football. Mm. You know, the other clubs do this. So it happens in rugby. Yeah. There's an argument going on in rugby union at the moment about um, ring fencing the the. the top league in mm. English rugby union and I hate the idea I mean I'm from rugby town and you know my local team plays in it and they're sometimes good they're sometimes not you're from a rugby town I'm from a sorry rugby it sounds like you're saying you were from rugby no no I'm from town. a rugby town so I'm from Bath and uh, I've moved back there recently but I was born there and, and you know the rugby the, the, the rugby team is very important to the local community and for all the reasons we discussed about an hour ago about you know industry and and football and that kind of thing mm. but i don't i don't i don't for the sake of my own team's well-being do i want relegation taken off the table no no okay uh here's a nicer question and it's from andrew y- uh, yuan yeah is son the most underrated player in the premier league no no okay no. but just say something he's nice. a very good player say I mean, something he's... Nice about him. there you go I, I, i'll give you an anecdote so at the beginning you wanted to hear about things that happen in the press box mm. right? that so was just for regular listeners we, we can have a bit of insight it's a good it's a good moment for me to say 
that's at the, at the beginning of the podcast for members only. It's full of gold, just we, like this. We had an exclusive conversation about press boxes. Uh, so if you'd like to become a TIFO Football YouTube channel member, you can do that by clicking the join button underneath any of our videos. Seb, tell us the anecdote. So it's, it's more of a series of anecdotes. So oh. um, when I said earlier, I talked about sort of the, the popularity of individual players. Um, Sun is so popular in South Korea mm. that there is a sort of mini South Korean press court who follow him around. And they're lovely guys, but they come specifically to watch him. So if he doesn't play, or if he's on the substitutes bench and he's um, he's not involved in any way, they just have to oh, they have to adapt somehow. <laughs> but they exist all around the country. So um, yeah, I've got to know um, uh, Masa, who, who covers Mai Yoshida at Southampton, and Shin- Shinji Okazaki. Um, also, if you if you if you watch games in those countries, um, I would never recommend that anyone use an illegal stream. Definitely don't do that. But if you were to be exposed to one, and it came from South Korea, what you'd see in a Tottenham game is not the score or the time. You see a little picture of Son on the top of the screen and his and his <laughs> stat line running across it. It's very interesting, and the, the, you know what? They they're some of the most lovely people you can meet. The, um, sure. the South Korean guys. Um, they're, they're, well, what's they're, the deal with his uh, military service thing? Is that ongoing? He's exempt still? now. No, he, he's exempt. He's exempt because okay. of his gold medal. Yeah, right. he. Um, but he's he's off to compete in the Asia Cup uh, mm. after tonight's game. I okay. think. Okay. Um, and he's gone for a month. Okay, uh, here's a good one. And actually, Dan- this question's from Daniel-, Daniel Williams. And Daniel is the one who uh, alerted me to the fact that Tottenham are making children pay £405. Uh, the first part of his question, I don't know if you know anything about this, Seb, but could you analyse the current showdown between Tottenham and the Haringey Council regarding who should be responsible for street cleaning uh, after events? Is that still ongoing? I remember that... No, you know what? I, I'm going to have to pass that because yeah. I just don't have the expertise to do it. That is um, cool. There are... I tell you what, there are people um, out there writing about it. I, I tell you what, the person to ask about that is Alistair Gold. Um, okay. You'll find him. Um, he works for Football Football London. Uh, he's a lovely bloke, um, and if you you find him on Twitter, um, he is uh, he's very good with that stuff. So okay. he's far better equipped to answer that than I am. Okay, and the to finish off, we do have a few questions from well, way more than I thought from Twitter as well. Okay, uh, let me just. This is a good thing. Idea? Do we need to sign a right back? Tell you what, stop me if you like the sound of any Definitely of these. Definitely need to sign yeah. a right back and a left back. Oh, okay, both fullbacks. Okay, who have you got anyone in mind? Uh, no, but I, I just <laughs> I had a little thirty second rant. I find it extraordinary that um, <laughs> that Serge Aurier has mm. reached this level of the game. He's played for Paris Saint Germain and at the top of the Premier League without ever learning how to tackle. Mm. He can't tackle. Doesn't need to. Well, on the He's basis fast. of how much... That's all that matters on FIFA. <laughs> I've never seen a player concede the same penalty so many times yeah. in the same season. Yeah. It's incredible. Mm. But no, there's a, without, without fullbacks, um, Tottenham are underpowered. They missed the Walker Rose axis. Okay. Uh, it's nice. There's lots of really good questions here. I feel like we've answered most of them already. Uh, there's one from Magnus Henderson about uh, to what extent you think Spurs are stuck in the competitive limbo. There's one about replacing Moussa Dembele. I feel like we have... Would you call this Tottenham side the greatest sustained overachievement we've seen in the Premier League from Russell Green, Seb? Sustained being sustained. the key, key word there, I imagine. Oh, that's a good question. Um, mm. Yeah, I'd say so. I've got a little bit of bias there, but I, I can't think of many who can replicate it. Um, <coughs> Charlton did very well briefly under Alan Kerbishley. Uh-huh. That's going a little bit far back. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd say so. In terms know. of if you count top four finishes in Champions League football as a tangible achievement, then yes, I'd say so. It's a... Getting you to say something that sounds quite sensational is hard as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we talked about Ericsson before, but this question is slightly more specific. Do you think the Pochettino is prepared to let Ericsson go? And that is from someone called Podcast is Life. It's not really his decision. No. Uh, Christian Ericsson's contract has 18 months to run. Mm-hmm. Um, he will defer that decision, I'm sure, until Pochettino's own future is secured or decided in one way or the other. Um, but if Christian Eriksen wants to run his contract down, there's nothing Pochettino can do. There's one I saw earlier. Someone was asking about Vincent Janssen. Um, so the eagle-eyed would have, oh, yes. would have seen that uh, Vincent Janssen actually played 45 minutes for the under-23s last night. So that would have been Monday, if you're listening to this on Friday. Um, as far as I know... And this is obviously so to change. Vincent Janssen's Tottenham career is definitely over. Mm. Um, he's not even actually registered for the Premier League. So um, the idea, 
I, as I understand it, is to improve his fitness and sell him. Mm-hmm. Should no one buy him in this window, I don't know. I mean, I, I have no idea what sort of the whether they try and re-register him. I know that Pochettino has. I mean, I, I, I doubt he even says hello to Vincent Janssen anymore when he sees him at the training maybe, ground. Maybe he could work some other job around the... Nah. the he could help get well, the stadium cut, ready. Cut the grass. and yeah. you know, well, Tell you what, if, he's, if, he's qualified, if he's a qualified electrician, <laughs> then he can earn some of that salary. Yes, absolutely. I'll but, drive him to the stadium myself. No, Janssen, Janssen has a decent Chris somewhere. Mm. Like he's, he's not a bad player and he's, he's slightly unfairly, he's become a bit of a, a, a joke figure, but he's just not right for Tottenham and he's... Paul Mitchell's greatest error. It was, uh, yeah. Okay, uh, and final question from me. Uh, can Tottenham win the league? This year? Yeah. Nope. Nope. Okay. Well, that but then, is yeah, but that's, the end. That's okay that they, they don't. But is it, though? It's it's fine in this climate. They, I think they'll, 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 they'll come close, but I don't think they'll ever be a, a favourite for it. They'll, they'll um, yeah. Just holding up a bottle for the video that, that was strangely abstract. The only um, reason this... I did that, though, again, is so that for the second time, I can plug the fact that you can become a TIFO Football YouTube channel member by clicking join below any of our videos. By doing this, you get access to live video versions of the podcast, so you can watch Seb get more and more angry about oh, when the players leave and then the football changes in the future. It was not like it was in Bath. And, uh, is that yeah, your West yeah. Country accent? Because that needs work. I, I don't know what I did. Uh, but that is the end. Seb, thank you very much. We've done a very long podcast today, haven't we? One hour and 16 minutes. Thank you very much for your time and expertise. Even my mother doesn't want to listen to me for an hour and 16 minutes. Uh, you'll be surprised, man. People will People will love it. Yeah. They will. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for your time. And uh, we'll speak to you again next year and have the same conversation. Yeah? Pleasure. With all the same... All the same all bits. All the same bits. All right. Yeah. Bye.